0: Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. I want to just start in John 14. Jesus says a very familiar thing to most of us, but he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I feel like I could teach just on that. I'm the way, the truth, and the life for the next millennium only I won't live that long, but um, <laughs> that I really would have that much material just teaching I am the way. I don't think I could get through the year even. I, it would take years and years and years just to go through I'm the way and how the New Testament believers called themselves the way. And why did they? Because Jesus said I'm the way. And sometimes I wish we didn't just throw around Christians so much. Um, I'm almost... Um, more apt to say, I'm a believer, because so many people say, you know, I'm a Christian. Jesus said, I'm the way. He said, I'm the truth. And it's like so often we say, well, you know, what's the truth, Jesus? And, and if we could look at any given situation in our life and realize that Jesus is the word, then we could say, what's the truth, the word? And so if we ever don't know how to answer someone, we can answer them in the word, using the word and never be lying and we could just completely rely on the word as our truth which means that we would be walking by faith that's what faith is 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 the the complete reliance upon the word and what god says regardless of what we see or hear um faith is the evidence of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen and We like to walk by sight like the rest of the world. That's what we're accustomed to. I can see this table. I can see this table. I can, you know, open up this book and I can know that it's there because I can see it and feel it. But the Holy Spirit and the spiritual realm are here too. And they're more real than the physical realm because they actually created the physical realm. God did. And so we need to open up our minds to just because you can't see it, hear it smell it, taste it, touch it, I think I covered all five senses, doesn't mean that it's not real. Sometimes we don't know the wind is blowing when we're inside of a house unless we see the the leaves moving. And oftentimes we don't think about the fact that we can't hear perfume. But that doesn't mean that just because someone can't smell it that someone else doesn't realize that it's in existence. So we, we depend so much upon our senses and Jesus just says I'm the truth and when we can just completely like little children receive that it will bring so much peace into our life and Jesus in the same scripture in John 14 says I'm the way I'm the truth and then he says I'm the life and he is our life he's our eternal life He created our lives on this earth, which is just a stepping stone to our lives for eternity. And he is the life. But what I want to take are his next few words and go through each one, because what we're looking at is how Jesus, the word reveals God, the truth. How does Jesus, the word reveal God's truth? I'm just going to look at a little part of that um, through Jesus' own words reflecting on his own words. <laughs> I know that sounds like an oxymoron or something, but we cannot get any better than that, um, in the sense that the whole Bible proves itself, not only through the Old Testament and New Testament, but Jesus being the exemplary person or persona of the Holy Spirit of the Father and Jesus saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life and then he goes on to say in John fourteen, No one comes to the Father except for through me. Well that lets us know that right there truth is exclusive. And there's a big deal going on right now in America and elsewhere and that's where, you know, it's it's a huge inclusive thing where it's well there's lots of roads that lead to You know, heaven, and there's lots of, well, then we've got to just throw out everything Jesus said and not include him as a nice prophet because he wouldn't be a nice prophet. He would be an obnoxious prophet. If he's just one of the roads and he's saying, I'm the only road, then he's lying. So then he can't be a prophet anymore. We just need to look at what he says and just really ask the Holy Spirit to show us in our own lives is this true? Is this not? I think the Bible is such a great description of just even human nature i read what paul says in the, in the new testament that the things i don't want to do i do and the things i do want to do i don't want to do i don't do and y- 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 y'all are shaking your heads because you're like yeah i do that and i didn't want to but i do it's not only it a description of human nature but it's the answer to what do i do when i can't be perfect like god and yet there's something within all of us that we want that approval of our father you know in every healthy young child um, unless that relationship has been marred or broken every little kid wants the approval of his or her dad and you know most of us don't even stop wanting that even if we've realized that our dads aren't perfect which I realized my dad wasn't perfect, and he would never, ever even pretend to be perfect, but still, as a 43-year-old female, I still want my dad's approval. How much more our Heavenly Father, there's something within all of us that looks at nature, as Romans says, and realizes there is a God, there is a Creator. And all of us also have that desire to know the truth, now, we can bury it. When we're little, we're too innocent in a way to bury it. As we get to be older, we can let our hearts be hardened and begin to bury it and start to say, you know, I don't want the truth. I want my way. Storm is nine. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. No. Storm is nine, and Storm was told to read the other night, and instead he wrote all over his walls. And Storm's dad was not really happy about that exploit of art creativity and the next day i was talking to storm still about more storm things and finally storm said something that was very very profound he said you know i don't understand why i can't be my own boss and you can't be your own boss and dad can be his own boss and maddie can be her own boss and beth can be her own boss and i said because you would ruin your life and he goes, I wouldn't ruin my life. I'm really smart. I said, no, Storm, you're nine. I said, there are a lot of things you don't know. And he goes, well, I don't know those. And I'm like, that's right. And it was like God talking to me going, you know, so often we try to be our own boss. Or Kathleen, you try to be your own boss. And you don't even know what you don't know. You can't know what you don't know. And that's why we need to depend on him and to trust him. And so he is the truth. He is our life. He is our life now, but it's our eternal life, which begins for a Christian now. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it begins now. Now, I'm not saying that heaven begins now because otherwise we would say, well, there's no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. And all of us know that we're in a, in a fallen world. And if we do feel real at home in this world, we actually should worry. You know, so often I'll hear Christians say, you know, I just feel really lonely. I feel kind of sad. I don't I don't I don't know what to do with these feelings. And it may be attributed to a certain situation that they need to pray about. But so often it is because we're homesick, because we don't belong here. We're not of this world. We aren't supposed to be conformed into this world but as Romans 12:2 says to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove the will of God that which is good acceptable and perfect back to Jesus's words if you really knew me you would know my father as well and from now on you know him and have seen him one of his disciples said well Lord show us the father and that's going to be enough for us And Jesus answered very specifically. He said, don't you know me after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it's the father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence, the miracles themselves. And that's John 14:6 through 11. I want to take just certain parts of what Jesus said, seven different parts. Jesus says that he's the way, the truth and the life, and I talked about that if I even started on that, we'd never finish. So I want us to look at Jesus saying back to us and to his disciple Philip, No one comes to the Father except through me. And he tells us that in John 14. In John 10, 7, Jesus answers another question. And he so often does use these simple illustrations that used to mean a lot more to people. My daughter is... um, really big on how do people even know God who live in Chicago and New York? Mom, all they can see is buildings and everything's man-made. And I said, well, you know, God just speaks and he does things and he intervenes in our lives. And But she said, but if you've never just seen the starry night on a country road and you've never really been out in nature, you lose sight of all the things that God has created. And I think as a society... We can easily do so, whereas out in the bush or out in the jungle, you know, they look up and they can just see this incredible expanse of stars and all of God's creation around them and not just concrete. John 10:7, Jesus is explaining to them using examples, which he used examples in their day and time, which... We have to kind of think back to the context of when they live for it to be really super relatable. Um, Although the Holy Spirit still speaks so strongly through it. I'm just going to read. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. I'm the gate for the sheep. He's saying, I'm the only door. I am the only door to the building. You know, Um, I am the gate to the sheep. And that would mean so much to a shepherd because he's saying there's only one. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. And then he cried out, when a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Whoever accepts me, John 13, verse 20, accepts the one who sent me. And so he tells us over and over, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the one who sent me. And he confirms back around exactly not only what the prophecies have said about the coming Messiah, but that he is God and that he is literally God's representation, if you will, through flesh, through the seed of man to redeem man to come back and to restore man adam the first man sinned and jesus who many scholars and just different people who read the bible call the second man came to restore us and and to bring that restoration that adam had given away his authority his dominion his perfect atmosphere and jesus says very specifically if You receive me, you receive the Father. And if you receive the Father, you receive me. Some of you may have heard me tell this story. When I was in the hospital, when I had leukemia and I was taking chemotherapy, about month two, there was a nurse, a male nurse. I have to be so careful not to say his name. And so I'm just going to call him Lynn because I know his name isn't Lynn. And he was so likable. I think I was about the only patient that really related to him though because most of the people on the oncology floor for the most part were of an older generation and Lynn had Tattoos all the way up both arms, and he was really thin and really hyper and really helpful, and he kind of came through the door, just like whatever his name is on Seinfeld used to do. I mean, just kind of bumbling his way through, and he was so nice, but I mean, at first look, he had, you know, a scruffy beard, and he's really thin, and he's got tattoos all over him, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of people in... Perhaps a different frame of mind might have thought, I think I'll get a different nurse. But I loved him. I absolutely loved him. And he could not quit talking about his little boy. He was so proud of his little boy. He told me all about his little boy and brought pictures of him. And he just couldn't say enough about his love for this little boy. And here's this earthly daddy, you know, coming in my room and just, Glowing, glowing with the news of this little boy and the next thing that this little boy has done or said, and and this is we're just talking about a little baby. I mean, a little baby boy. And Lynn one day was asking me, um, and I believe my mother was in the room as well. But he was like, you know, I want my son to know about God, and I understand the whole God thing, God made the world, God's love. I just don't get the whole Jesus thing. Like, why in the world? I mean, why do you have to go through Jesus to get to God? It's just, I don't get it. You know, it's so great when you don't think, or I don't think, or maybe it's better when I don't think and you do think, I don't know. But for me, it's like, Oh, Holy Spirit, let just, just take over my mouth. And so I'm lying in bed, you know, or sitting up in bed and I'm bald and I'm talking to this guy, you know, who's super skinny and very hyper and he's got tattoos all over him. And I'm thinking, I'm telling, I'm about to tell him about Jesus. This is so crazy. I'm the one that's hooked up to blood and to chemo and to all this stuff and, but it's such a great opportunity that I'm like, well, Lord, I guess you could send me to the hospital. Not that God does bad things, but it's kind of like God said, well, while you're there, you know, could you just share the word a little bit? And I was like, well, sure, yeah, I would really have anything better to do, honestly. And that is the best thing to do. So the Holy Spirit just put in my heart, you know, Lynn, if you came to my door... And I said, hey, Lynn, how's it going? Come on in. Come on in. You said, oh, just a minute, just a minute. My son, he's coming too. And I said, oh, no, just you, not your son. I said, what would you say back to me? And he said, I'd say right there, if my son's not welcome, then I'm not welcome either. And I said, that's what God said. That is what God said. And through His Son, He showed us a fuller, broader picture of Himself. And we can't separate God from His Son because He is part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when I say that, when I say that truth is exclusive, I'm really just quoting Jesus. But I want us to know the heart of the Father, and that is in John three sixteen through 18, it says that God so loved the world, us, that He sent His only Son, that whoever should believe in Him would not be condemned but have everlasting life. He didn't send His Son to condemn the world. He sent His Son to save the world. The world had already condemned itself. And, I mean, don't, you know, ask me why Adam listened to Eve, or why Eve listened to the serpent, but I personally think God told Adam what to do, and Adam told Eve what to do, but it wasn't clear. Um, I'm just joking, Um, but I do know that the world was already in a fallen state, and Jesus came to this earth to save the world. And when we offer Jesus, we're not offering like, oh, here's some exclusive club that Only a few people can be a part of it's no, you can be a part of his kingdom and be one of his children because Jesus is saying here, I would choose that everyone would choose me back. That's what I would choose. And at that point, um, Lynn said, what do I have to do now? It was like the easiest person I've ever led to the Lord in my entire life. was like how do I how do I know you know that Jesus is God's son and now what do I have to do so we just I said well you could just pray with me and he prayed with me it's just the way that God works is so amazing Jesus says also in this passage in John that we're looking at in in the very beginning in John 14 if you really knew me you would know my father and he also says number three You do know him and have seen him. And, you know, we look at the Old Testament from the book of Genesis, like we mentioned at the beginning of class, where we can look at the name of God, which is plural, Elohim, and say, wow, why is God plural? And why does it say, let us make? And, you know, start asking questions all the way through the prophets, prophesying about the birth of Jesus and the Messiah and Emmanuel. God is with us. And all the way through the New Testament, that Jesus is the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and God became flesh, and, and the Word was flesh, and we look at that being Jesus. Jesus then, through his life, he shows us the Father. And that's what we've been talking about tonight, is that his actions and his words, and we're looking a lot at his words tonight, that he himself shows us the Father. Um, there are so many prophecies From the Old Testament about the Messiah that I really am tempted to get off on a tangent and start teaching that but I know better than that I know better than that because then we'll never finish this series but let's just say that if you just took Isaiah 53 and looked at every part of that and looked at the fulfillment of Jesus and in that scripture and looked at for instance Matthew 8 17 And then I was just thinking about just the festivals that the Jews have. The Passover and how um, they celebrated in the Old Testament the Passover and they had to offer up the perfect lamb of God. um, The perfect lamb as a sacrifice to God and how Jesus was the perfect lamb unstained and how that's fulfilled. Um, We could just go on and on and on and on and on. But he... Jesus is seen in the Old Testament. And so if you really knew God through the scriptures in the Old Testament, Jesus himself says, well, then you'll recognize me. And he says to a lot of the religious people, you don't know me. You don't recognize me because you don't recognize my father because you don't really know my father. You give a lot of lip service to him, but you don't really know him. I was just thinking of kind of daydreaming about an example of this, and I had listened to a story on the news several months ago, and it was about a young girl who grew up with an older sister and loved her older sister very, very much. And when the young girl became an adult, she found out that her older sister wasn't her older sister. Her older sister was her mother. So if someone said, do you know your mother? She wouldn't say, no, I don't have any. I know I, she would say, well, I thought, you know, that she was my older sister, but really she's my mother. And back then in the in the time that Jesus was demonstrating who the father was, he was saying, look, you've known me all this time. It's just the name. I'm coming as the Messiah. But I've been God in the law and the Old Testament. I've been the word of God through the prophets. I've been all that you've seen and heard and studied. And if it's become part of you and part of your heart and part of the truth of your life, then you will recognize me. It's the same way with us. When we start recognizing Jesus as God and start seeing God and Jesus and the Word and everything, it gets so exciting. Okay, number four, I have been among you such a long time. I think that goes back to what I was just saying, is that God was there from the beginning. So was Jesus there from the beginning. He was there. The Word created the world. The Word became flesh. The Word became a baby. The Word, Jesus, became a baby to be manifest unto us, for us to see him. But just because we didn't see him didn't mean that he didn't exist before. He did exist, but he came so we could relate to him. Because he knows we have those five senses. What I can see, what I can taste, what I can touch, what I can smell. And he knows that we're not all prophets. And and most of us aren't all that super, super, super spiritual. That's why I love the word and I love the teachings of Jesus is because they are simple. I can understand what he's saying. I can understand what Christ is saying as a little child. It's just when we get into our higher intellect and start thinking in terms of getting more complicated than God and frankly trying to be our own boss that we get into a whole lot of trouble. There are some of the most brilliant scientists that I know that are Christians. It doesn't mean that we have to lose our brain at the door. But sometimes we have to realize that faith that has an evidence, which our faith does, also has a component of it where we have to submit and say, I really do want to know the truth. And Jesus says, if you're seeking the truth, you'll find me. And so I have a lot of um Rest in that, knowing that if someone really is seeking the truth, they'll find the truth. Not everyone's seeking the truth. And that's hard because we want, or I want everyone to seek the truth. But sometimes, even ourselves, we don't really want to know the truth. And we hide from God, just like Adam did when he realized, oh my goodness, I'm naked, you know. And God said, you know, where are you? As if God didn't know where he was. And that's the way I always feel like God is with me. I remember for swimming lessons when I was a little bitty kid, I just thought about this. But we had these two little twin beds. And my sister and I shared a room. And I hated swimming lessons because, number one, it was cold. And, number two, it was cold. And my mom would call me in for swimming lessons. And we would hide under the bed. And they were, you know, it was a good two feet you could see under the bed. But... It was like she'd say, girls, where are you? And she knew where we were. But in that childlike state, so often we think that we can get away with our parent not seeing us, just like someone might think I can get away with God the Father not really seeing what I'm thinking. Like as if we finally admit our sin to him and he's like, oh, phew, I was wondering what was bothering him all day long. He already knows. He just wants us to come to him. It's for us. It's for reconciliation with him, but it's for us. So we can go, Whew, gosh, I got that out. You know, when, when um, Maddie was a little girl, I just remember one time she got in trouble. And she was about to get in more trouble. And she said, mercy, daddy, mercy, mercy. And he was just like, oh, Lord. You know, first of all, when it's a little girl, you know, it's hard anyway. Then I guess as the dad, as the mom, you're like, yeah, you look just like me. We're not getting past this situation. You're starting to act like me, too. i got to really get on you. Um, but she said, mercy, mercy. And, you know, when we call upon the name of Jesus and say, God, forgive me, mercy. God sees us and says, oh, I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad you came. Even when we say, I don't promise that I'm not going to do it again. You know, so often we have to go, okay, I've got to get all my ducks in a row before I go to God. And I've got to be really, really, really sorry. And I also have to be really, really, really sure that I'm not going to do this ever, ever again. Well, what, are you going to be your own boss? Because I don't know about you, but there have been situations in my life where I didn't really have control whether I was going to do something again or not. Or my flesh in a certain area was so strong that I couldn't promise God I wasn't going to do it again. I could say, God, I wish I could promise you, but I need your help. And then I've learned as a Christian that if I keep saying that, it's probably because I need God's people's help too. And we really, really don't like that. Most of us like to be maverick Christians where it's just us and God out in the country riding a horse, you know, the Marlboro Man, um, although that's a cigarette ad and probably a bad example. But, you know, we just want it to be us and not have to worry about really letting someone know, you know, I'm having problems with this. I'm slipping with this. And yet it's the heart of humility that's healed. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father John 638 through verse forty says, "For I have come down from heaven not to do my will but to do the will of him who sent me and this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none that he's given me, but raise them up on the last day for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day yeah I used to think I'd read, like, raise you up on the last day, and you'd be raised up and raised up, and I'd think, you know, that's kind of worries me. I mean, what if I don't get raised up? I mean, I think everyone's thought about that. You can't have a little bit of Jesus in you any more than you can be a little bit pregnant. God forgive me for saying that, if that's not a good example. But either you are or you aren't. And Jesus in us is Jesus. It's all of Jesus. And it's Jesus in us, the life of God, the truth of God that's going to raise us up on the last day. So Jesus tells us in Luke 7:36 that one of the Pharisees invited him to have dinner. And he went to this religious man's house and reclined at the table because that's the way they ate in the east. So that means that all those old like used to be black and white movies they've now colored that are in color about the bible where they're reclining and eating grapes upside down were actually very valid and correct just in case y'all were wondering luke 7:37 it says that a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that jesus was eating at the pharisee's house And she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. And she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he's not even saying it out loud, he's just saying it in his heart. If this man were a prophet, he'd know who was touching him and what kind of a woman she is. She is a sinner. And Jesus answered him. The man's name happened to be Simon. And he said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender, and one owed him 500 denarii, and the other 50, and neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Which one will love him more? And Simon replied, well, I guess the one who has the bigger debt canceled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman for the time that I've entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet and If you go back and read the history about the woman with the alabaster jar, it's a year's salary worth of perfume. It's so precious. It's like she just poured out everything she could to him. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Sometimes we do wonder, you know, why does it seem like some people just love God so much? Is it because they're saintly? Or is it because they're aware of the fact that He's forgiven? He's forgiven us. Sometimes the less pride we have, the more able we are to love God. And the more able we are to love God, the more able we are to love others. So often it's it's those of us who don't make mistakes and really live a quote-unquote good life that we sort of forget we need God, that we're not our own boss, and that we are no better than anyone else, that Jesus is sufficient for all. But Jesus is reminding us as God is showing us those who I've forgiven greatly, love me greatly. And do we act that out in our own lives? You know, I didn't plan on, well, I never plan on saying about at least half of what I say. The other night it was about 99%, but tonight I didn't plan on at least half. And one of the things that I didn't plan on was saying, you know, if we're to be like Jesus, the Father's living in me, who's doing His work, who sent me, commanded me to say what I'm to say and to do what I'm to do. So whatever I say is just, the Father has told me to say. That's Jesus. That's God's work. Well, if we're to be imitating Jesus, then wouldn't we be imitating God as well? And wouldn't we be reaching out to even the greatest of sinners, realizing that that one is going to know the love of God because they don't deserve it? How many people in our lives really kind of feel entitled to love, or at least a smile or a handshake or whatever? I mean, you can go to a party or a gathering and, and look at the people that seem to be secure and expectant that people want to talk to them and expectant that people like them. What about the people that are unlovable or unlikable or untouchable? Those are the people that we could continue to reach out with just like God and, and with his love. And those are the people that who really get it because they know it's not me. And, you know, I'm standing here tonight in front of you as someone who really gets it. It's not me. It's not about me. It's not about good or you're so good or forget it. The only thing I can tell you that I have is the Word, the Word of God, which has saved my life, which has given me eternal life, which gives me hope, which gives me energy, which gives me joy in the midst of crazy circumstances sometimes. My pain doctor said, you've been in pain since you were 10 years old. You know, spinal nerve pain. And as most of you know, or some of you know, I'm completely fused except for my neck. And then now the orthopedic surgeon's talking about fusing it. And I'm like, no, thank you. But he just said, well, just see how long you can stand the pain. And one of the things that the doctors have commented on the most is, why are you not depressed? And... I guess I could say, I don't know, but that's not true. I have to say, it's the word of God. I've got way too much life in me to be depressed. I mean, God says, if he's for me, who can be against me? God says he's going to work all these things for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. God says his mercies are new every morning. God says he forgives my, all my sins and heals all my re- diseases and redeems my life in the pit and crowns me with loving kindness and compassion and restores my youth like the eagle. God says that I'll live forever, that he'll raise me up in the last day because I have his son Jesus Christ. Everything I see in this world is temporary, including pain. And am I expecting for myself to have pain for the rest of my life? No way. I'll always expect the best from my Heavenly Father. Do I understand why things have happened the way they've happened to you or to me? No. But I will always trust my Heavenly Father because he loves us and because he's perfect love and because I'm not my own boss and he can see what I can't see. Just like he can see what you can't see. And he is working his plan. If we go to the next scripture, I went sort of out of order going to the Father living in me. But if we go backwards and, and looking back in John 14, Jesus says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. In John 15:19, he says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing of himself. He only sees what his father is doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. You know, that was so true of that day and age because even what the father did as a trade, the son did also. Why was Jesus a carpenter? Because Joseph, his earthly father, was a carpenter. You did what you saw your father doing. You learned what your father taught you. And Jesus came and told us, you know, you see me, you see the Father. I think it's so interesting that that word bar means son. And we have friends and friends of children and different people who we know have had bar mitzvahs. And that word bar means son, the word bat means Daughter, So you can have a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah, but it's usually when that child is turning for a girl 12, for a boy 13, and they are pronouncing this child is now on their own. They are now an adult making their own spiritual decisions, making their own spiritual commitment. And that word mitzvah is the word commandment. And what you're saying is this is a child of the commandment. A bat mitzvah. This is a son of the commandment. This is a daughter of the commandment. A bat mitzvah for a girl and a bar mitzvah for a boy. Son of the commandment. And how much more should we be sons and daughters of the word of Jesus? And they're not supposed to know us, the world, because of our own proclamations. I mean, I think it's really sad if someone says, did you know so-and-so is a Christian? And somebody else says, no, not, no, not, are you serious? They are? Really? Really? I mean, no one wants that said about them. I don't want anyone to go, but Kathleen's a Christian. Really? Oh, my gosh. Are, Are you sure? Really? Because we're supposed to be known by what we do, just like Jesus showed the Father in the Father's heart, by what He did, by what we do, by what we see, by the fruit that we show, we're supposed to show what kind of tree we are. I do believe this with all of my heart that you don't really know what kind of fruit you have in your hand until it's squeezed. I wrote a little deal about five or six years ago, maybe even longer, that I had bought these beautiful limes. I mean, gorgeous. They were firm and green and, oh, they were so beautiful. And I cut them open and I couldn't wait to squeeze them into water and, you know, put them on the family table. It was probably like the fanciest thing I knew what to do at the time. I don't know. So maybe it was 20 years ago. But I was so disappointed when I cut this lime and squeezed it open, no juice came out. Have you ever had that happen? And that's like a lot of people. They're shiny and beautiful and wonderful and charismatic on the outside. And I'm not talking about just Christians. I'm just saying, you don't really know what someone is like until they're hard pressed, until they're squeezed. And Paul said, I'm hard pressed on every side, but I keep rejoicing and praising God. And he said, he's provided the grace for me. His grace is sufficient for me and God has provided everything that you need for today not tomorrow not 10 years from now today now and he's provided his word and he's provided his love and I can just tell you the truth with all of my heart that if you want healing and you want wholeness and you want to know Jesus you've got to say I'm not my own boss and you've also got to sometimes say, I need help. We need to all have pride, take a hike. That's probably the most 70s thing I've said in such a long time. That goes right along with like hang ten and all the things that, anyway, never mind, I'm dating myself. We need to be humble and realize that that is absolutely opposite of the world. The world wants to associate with those who are powerful. The world wants to be thought as powerful. The world wants to be the most intellectual. The world wants to win. The world wants to come first. And with God, everything's backwards. The first will be last. The last will be first. You know, associate with the children. Jesus loved the lowly, and he loves you. And whoever's been forgiven much tonight probably knows that the most. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son. I thank you that Jesus came as a baby and grew up as a man to show us you so that we could relate to him with all of our senses, so that we could relate to him. But, God, I know that you want us now to relate to you spirit to spirit for us to realize that we aren't just... um, human flesh on this earth but that we have an eternal spirit that will live in eternity somewhere and father through receiving and opening the heart the door of our heart to your son we receive you i just pray that anyone who hears you knocking and hasn't opened that door and said i may not know a lot but i do receive jesus as god's son would do so if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that jesus is lord you are saved you are god's son or daughter you are a son or daughter of jesus christ amen we hope that you've enjoyed kathleen's message to order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, kathleenwhitte org. Thank you.